whether it's summer or winter, after someone's visited the gardens, everybody's smiling when they walk out. And even if they are super grumpy going in, like you can't help but be rejuvenated by the experience. Wait, what do you mean it's over? Hello, how can I help? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Parties Over Podcast. I'm Liz. And I'm Ashley. We were just talking about what's for dinner, like we always yeah. do, because we always record at dinner time. And usually I'm like, I have to go, I have to go eat. But I was telling Liz, I had an event for work um, last week up in the county, and they gave everyone that attended a bag of main potatoes. No way. It was so funny, like a full bag. They gave me and my coworker a 50-pound 50 50, 50 50 pound bag of County main potatoes. So you've been eating potatoes. I've been eating potatoes. I just finished a big part of my house. Snaps for me. I'm a new person because that was very stressful part of my life. Mm-hmm. And now I'm on to the next stressful part of my life, but one step closer to the end. Yeah, you're getting you're getting there, really. I am getting there. We're slowly, getting December slowly. at this point, so getting pretty close. Yeah, I need it. I need it to be sheetrocked and then I'll be a really a different person because right now it still feels like the same stage, except my insulation got delayed. So, you know, take one step forward, one step, two steps back. It is what it is. I'm just going to be like, okay, gives me more time to bake during the holiday season. Yeah. Great. Yeah. It's better for people like you, you Liz. Yeah. Works out better for you and for your family. Yeah. They get treats and yeah. We were up in there if anyone was getting any treats. It was like, eh. treats or no treats. And I love treats. We love a treat. Yes. So anyways, uh, any updates for us? I don't have any updates this week. I've been updated out. I've updated you guys so much the last couple of weeks. You've busy, heard busy enough girl. from me. And you guys will be happy to hear that. We have some pretty fabulous guests on this week. You've been hearing a lot from us recently, but we have... We have some guests that we're very excited to share with you. Uh, you know that a couple of weeks ago, Ashley and I went to Coastal Maine Botanical Gardens, Gardens Aglow event, the light show, and we were raving about it. And now who's joining us this week? Then, then themselves. Yeah. The <laughs> man behind the lights and the president and CEO of the company. Look at us. We have all the info for you here. We... You know, when you you heard us a few weeks ago, we planned your whole night to go to this event. And now you get to listen to this podcast on your way to seeing the lights and learn the whole backstory. You know what I'm realizing right now? Since it's been a while since we've had a guest, we're exposing ourselves to a new audience again, which we haven't done in a while. It's been our trusted little core audience that listens religiously. Um, So hello to any new faces. I'm Ashley. This is my voice. Oh, and I'm Liz. We are Liz and I are a couple, two main gals, and this feels like a very important moment in my life since Botanical Gardens has become a staple in our main summers and holiday seasons, so we were really excited to have them on. This episode is really interesting. We were able to cover what, what do you, how does this become your career? What jobs, what do you got to go to school for? Where, how do you get to Maine? 
um, in order to do these jobs. What does the botanical gardens do? What's their mission? How can you support them? Um, We cover a little bit of everything. And we really hit it all. How many people get engaged there? We we ask the hard hitting questions. (laughs) Hard hitting questions. You know us. You guys know the social media trend with the handshake emoji and it says like two things that are just like united and it's like parties over podcast and ma- a main business. Bam. Handshake. Us and Coastal Maine Botanical Gardens. That's what this episode <laughs> felt like. I thought you were going to say Coastal Botanical Gardens and getting engaged. Oh, that too. So we really hope you guys enjoyed this episode and and I thought of it when we were recording that you can listen to this on the way there. Listen to it whenever you want, but I just feel like a preview on your drive there, it's just perfect. Stop and get a little, you know, meal on your way there or your way home. Get a little glass of vino, hang out, make it a thing. That's what we did. We had a great time. Yeah. So do as we say. All right, everyone, let's get into the episode. Welcome back, everybody. We're so excited. We have Gretchen and Brent with us today from Coastal Maine Botanical Gardens. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasant to be here. A true Maine staple here yeah. at Coastal Botanical Gardens. It is something that we all know and love. We look forward to no matter the season, but mm-hmm. um, especially during the holidays has a special uh so it's really not the holiday season unless you've gone to the Coastal Botanical Garden. Liz and I went firsthand recently. We told you guys about it in, I think, the last episode or maybe the one before. And it was absolutely beautiful. And we got, they were so excited to have the chance to get to see the masterminds behind it all. Could you both share a little bit about what you do and maybe kind of like your day-to-day leading up to this event? Yeah, so I can go first. Um, so I'm Brent. I am the... Gardens of Globe program manager um, and horticulturist. So for about seven months of the year, I'm kind of dealing with the light stuff. And so I'm kind of the brainchild behind the design and kind of helping to implement it all and make it all happen and coordinate. We have probably over 100 staff and volunteers who kind of lend a hand to help uh, make this event happen and kind of coordinating my team of people to help pull it off. He makes it sound like it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> we'll get into that a little bit more later. I'm Gretchen Rosser. I'm the president and CEO of the Gardens. I'm very lucky to be here. And so uh, my day-to-day doesn't change that much leading up to this. Um, it's kind of always busy and always looking ahead and thinking ahead about uh, what's coming next. So I suppose, you know, the things that do change leading up to Gardens Glow, it's about kind of all the other pieces that that fall into place besides the part that Brent's talking about, like checking in with the marketing team and making sure that we've got a good marketing plan and that we're starting early enough and that we're getting the word out and, you know, that we've got all the other pieces in place for the guest experience and the garden shop and the food and all of those the other parts of the program that, that Brent isn't necessarily responsible for or thinking about, although he does have to think about all of it in some way, shape, or form. Now, how big is the Botanical, Coastal Botanicals team? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we've got a team of 65 uh, full-time year-round employees, and in the summer, it doubles to about 120. I would say right now, we've probably got about 85 um, employees that are on payroll. 
and that that will shrink down after Gardens Aglow ends at the beginning of the year for a few months when we're kind of in the deep dark of winter. That that's those are kind of the basics of the size of the team. Wow. I feel like you both have very interesting jobs. It's a very interesting company to be a part of. And we always ask our, ask our guests, what was your dream job when you were growing up? Like, did you think you would be designing a light show uh, at, a, at a botanical gardens? Like, what did you think you would be doing? So it's funny, actually, when I was younger, so I'm also very passionate about plants and stuff. Um, I actually dreamed after visiting Disney World that I would go and be a plant person at Disney World until I found out that they do plants at night. And then I was that vision faded. <laughs> but I have, um, I've been putting up lights, holiday lights in my parents' house, gosh, since I've been like 12 or 13. And every year it get a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. And one year we even got it up to like 10,000 lights. But they weren't LEDs like we use here. So the electric bill is not friendly <laughs> um, back then. But um, yeah, so I've always kind of been passionate about lights as well. And this has become like a dream job to be able to design all of this and bring all the visions to life. Well, Brent, can we let's focus on how since this was almost your dream job from the get go. How does someone achieve this? Like, how did this come about? So I started back at the gardens in about tw- in 2019 um, and was hoping to be kept on for Gardens Glow, And I was, and it was really fun to help be kind of just the person on the ground helping to string the lights as part of the horticulture team. They lend a biggest hand towards it. So it was really fun then just stringing lights and thinking about, ooh, this would be a fun idea or this would be a fun thing. And then the following year, got a little more leeway to help um, the then designer create um, some new and fun different sculptures and shapes and stuff. And then last year, I was offered the opportunity to design the show. So last year was my first year designing it. And then this year is the second year now. Okay. Wow. So wait, let's back up. I mean, do you go to school for, like, what do you go to school to get into a botanical gardens if you went to college? Where did you go? If you didn't, what was your early career like? And also, did you grow up in Maine? I grew up in Buffalo, New York area. I went to college in central New York at Morrisville State College and got my bachelor's in horticulture business management. So very like plant focused. And I came here for a horticulture internship. So that was kind of how I got made my got way to, to the garden. Okay. Yes. So you came, so you had your internship here and then you go back to school in New York and then what do you get offered a full-time job after, you know, following graduation? So actually my internship was right at the end. So I had finished oh. all my classes and just stayed right on at the gardens, intern to seasonal and then full-time employee. So. Wow. Okay. When you're in college, what did you think you were going to do with your degree? What were you know, your post-grad plans? What was that looking like? I was kind of thinking land landscaping, kind of mm-hmm. that route or maybe even like the marijuana industry. But then I was like, yeah, I really like working outside more. And my one professor was like, well, you should intern at places in the industry you haven't worked before. And one of that was public gardening. And once I did um, intern here and get into public gardening, I was like, oh yes, this is um, the part of the industry that I do want to be in. Super interesting. And Gretchen, so what about you? How, what was your dream job growing up? Were you born and raised in Maine? What did that look like for you? Mm. So I don't know that I had a specific dream job growing up and I was born and raised in Massachusetts, but I started coming up to Maine very young because my dad was very involved in Hurricane Island Outward Bound School. And so I would come up and go to the annual general meetings and be around Outward Bound. And I remember being a really little kid and seeing people up in the trees on the ropes course at Hurricane Island and being like, I want to do that. And then fast forward, I 
my 16th birthday present was an Outward Bound course and I fell in love with it. And so I would say from the time I did that Outward Bound course, I knew I wanted to, to be an Outward Bound instructor. So then during can I, college, yeah. I can pause you to, can you tell everyone what Outward Bound is? Just a quick little uh, summary for those who might not know. Yes, so Outward Bound is a, um, an experiential education organization using the outdoors and different kind of um, out, outdoor activities as a vehicle to learn about yourself, learn about working with other people, and learning about how you kind of can overcome challenges in life. Love so, it. Okay, so you 16th birthday. Yep, 16th birthday, did a 26-day Outward Bound course on the coast of Maine. I decided that I wanted to become an instructor. So when I was in college, after my sophomore year, when I was old enough to do the staff training, I applied to do the staff training. And I did staff training after my sophomore year, I think, in college. And then um, have had just the most amazing career since then. So I started working for Outward Bound in the summers. After I graduated from college, I worked full-time year-round for a few years. And then I went back to grad school because I realized I couldn't live out of a duffel bag and a backpack year-round, only part of the year maybe. And so I decided um, that I wanted to save the world by teaching people. And so I went back and got my master's in education and then had the very lucky kind of path in that my vocation and my avocation have always been intertwined. And so I then was able to be move my way up the ranks at Outward Bound, first at Hurricane Island Outward Bound School, and then nationally, like in at Outward Bound USA, I became the on the senior leadership team overseeing um, training and course efficacy research and curriculum for all of Outward Bound in the US. So wow. Yeah, you guys are very aligned with yourselves. It sounds like it sounds like at a very young age, you were one of the fortunate mm -hmm. people that really yeah. knew internally, this is what I want things to look like. So yeah, I guess I, it's usually very random what yeah. the job is and it never lines up, but both of yours seem pretty like spot on. Yeah, it was lucky. I think the other thing for me is I got really good advice early on of just like, if you love it and you're happy, then the money will come and like the rest of it will sort of work out. But if you sell your soul, you know, and end up doing something that you're really not happy with, then, you know, ultimately you're, it's not worth it. You know, I will say that is so funny. Liz and I always end up having these episodes where like, with the episode right before something like that, we just had like those exact words have come up and mm -hmm. we, Liz and I have recently, recently been talking about like the money will come mm -hmm. if you are like have passion for something mm -hmm. and you are like really good at something, the money will come eventually. It'll, you know, so it's one of those, that's just so funny. It always ends up working. Mm -hmm. out. The money will come, the jobs will come, you know, exactly. the people will show up. Yeah, we will probably pick your brains later about how you, you know, trusted your gut on some of these things. So now that you're both, well, you're living in Maine now, what does it mean for you to live here, work here and kind of like bring this great space to Maine for local Mainers? Like, do you feel very united with other Maine businesses? Do you feel that love? What is it like for you? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I feel it feels really great to work at the gardens because we are such a large organization that touches so many people here in Maine. Um, and it's like not being like a born and raised Mainer is really awesome to just be at a place that does offer 
this like awesome like refuge for people to come and just enjoy and explore just learn about nature and just be immersed in it all and then even in the winter getting people out and about um, to enjoy the lights and other stuff and just to build on that, I mean, one of the things that I love about the gardens, I mean, we're one of the biggest destinations and cultural institutions. I mean, not counting Acadia, because you can't count Acadia where millions of people go every year, but otherwise we're one of the largest destinations in the state for tourists, but then also for Mainers in, you know, especially in the shoulder seasons. And we just last year actually commissioned an, a new economic impact report because we were curious and we have a really big economic impact on especially Lincoln County, but all of Maine. And that makes me really proud. And it's actually one of the, the pieces about Gardens Aglow that we're really proud about too, because, you know, Gardens Aglow first started as a way to keep our our full-time team like in order to it was a way to make a full-time team actually to keep people employed longer and give people things to do in the winter and then almost like right on the heels of the first year of gardens aglow and it being way more successful than anybody anticipated it became really clear that gardens aglow had this huge impact on the local community too because Booth Bay and the Booth Bay region, as you probably know, is like it's a very touristy region in the summer. Lots of people go there, like lots of the coast of Maine. A lot of the economy is built around the summer. And with Gardens Aglow, the local restaurants and hotels and a lot of other businesses are able to stay open at least through the holidays. And that feels really good to be helping, you know, support a larger community than just our immediate team. And then, of course, the thing that Brent said about just the joy and peace and restoration that we bring to people, you know, whether it's summer or winter, after someone's visited the gardens, everybody's smiling when they walk out. And even if they are super grumpy going in, like you can't help but be rejuvenated by the experience. And that just makes me, makes my heart sing. That's pretty much what we said after we were kind of giving our recap. We were like, oh, we were kind of grinchy, like trying to get in the holiday spirit. And then you go there and you walk out like, I'm fully in the holiday spirit. Like you can't not be after going there. I will say we also stimulated the economy on our trip because we obviously had to go to dinner after. We had to wine and dine, check out the local restaurants. So you're so right about that. I also wanted to ask, we should have done this earlier, but can you guys give a brief description of what the Coastal Botanical Gardens are and how it operates year round, um, how you can enjoy it throughout the other seasons? Well, as we've been talking about in the winter from November to December, we have this um, incredible light show, Gardens Aglow. But the rest of the year, it's so funny because I talk to people all the time who come for Gardens Aglow and they say they've never been here in the summer, which is like mind blowing to me because the summer, like we started as a garden and we are the most incredible, beautiful, uh, like unique garden, uh, botanical garden and public garden. And so from May through October, the gardens are open. We have uh, the total size of the property is 328 acres. We're the largest botanical garden in New England. We have about um, 18 to 20 acres of that is cultivated gardens. And then there's lots of miles and miles of trails. So um, we've got these beautiful gardens. So if you love flowers, it's a great place to go. But then it's also like so much more than that. And that's the thing that I think we really want people to know too. So just a couple of years ago, we um, 
put in this new experiential art exhibit called the giant trolls or it's the, the guardians of the seeds is the name of the exhibit and um that's a whole nother conversation but we just have all these incredible experiential um things to do at the gardens it's an amazing place for kids of all ages i like to say and uh, it's different every single month in the summer it, it looks like a completely different place because of the brilliance of people like brent and our horticulturalists and how they uh, how they design the gardens that they're responsible for oh no yeah i was just gonna say it's also like we have like a mile of ocean frontage which is really special and makes us unique so just like walking the trails along the ocean is just so peaceful and yeah, I usually tell the guests and visitors, I'm like, come once a month, like everything you see that's in bloom will be like totally changed throughout the summer months. And it's just like, just a totally different experience what you're seeing. There's two other things I want to tell you about what we do. That's okay. Uh, one is that we have a big educational program. So adult programming year round. So anything you could possibly want to learn from like the most basics of how to plan your own garden and how to put it into really advanced certification programs for professionals who in the industry. Uh, we also have an advanced certification program for botanical arts. And then we have a whole series of youth programming. So lots of field trips during the school year. And then in the summer, we have youth uh, camps during the summer as well. So, and with that, we've got both uh, sort of organized, like drop your kids off for the day kind of camps. And then we also have these camps that you can do on your own where like parents will go with their kids and go exploring. And we've kind of put together a little curriculum of things to go and find and do and learn about in the gardens. Almost like a little field trip. Yeah. I also, are you guys a nonprofit? And if you are, how, what is your mission and how are some of the different ways you guys are funded? Yes, we are a nonprofit and our mission is, um, to inspire meaningful connections among people, plants, and nature through horticulture, education, and research. And so the ways that we are funded, um, first and foremost, from ticket sales and then sales in our um, food service and our garden shop, which is an incredible, um, really unique set of kind of artisanal, uh, locally crafted goods. Um, great for presents, the holidays. <laughs> so we've got that bucket of funding. And then of course we've got um, philanthropic funding. So we apply for all sorts of grants every year. And then we also have individual donors who, who give us money every year and help support what we do. And then we also apply for government grants and have some funding through government grants as well. Awesome. Well, I wanted to say the mission statement sounds similar to what maybe you both would say your mission statement for your life would be like, mm -hmm. it's matching up to when you were talking about your dream jobs really well. So it must feel nice to work for a company that feels the same way. And what I was noticing when you were saying all of the things that you all do is like how busy you must be and how much, like how much planning has to go in. So you're doing all these things during the summer, but you're focusing on winter at the same time. So what is that planning process like? So I know you have a theme for uh, the Gardens of Glow event every year. When do you start thinking of that theme? When do you start planning? And and how do you go about all of that? Honestly, like I never stop thinking about the lights. I feel like and always improvements. Like I already have ideas for next year, of course, but like really kind of sit down, start planning in like July. Kind of like, okay, these are kind of big vision, big picture things. And then August is really when I start to like go out and start flagging all the trees, like all 600 trees. 
and then start to like sit down and like make the actual design like this tree is this color this tree is this color and this year we didn't really have any necessarily like themed areas but they are kind of all have different color schemes and then just kind of figuring out like the best way to blend the colors between the areas so it's not like a stark stop and then really just using all the amazing sculptures that we built over the years and then just adding to those like last year we built 260 flowers and like 25 mushrooms and stuff to just re reinventing those reincorporating those and it was awesome going um so that the past two years have been a drive through gardens of glow event and so going back to a walk through this year was just so much more opportunity and then on my end just trying to remember all the details from 2019 of like oh what what worked and what didn't work lots of planning but just always ongoing lots of tweaking and it takes us i would say about 10 to 11 weeks to put all of the lights up are there any like little secrets you can or not even secrets but just little notices you can put in people's brains you know i know someone gave us if we can't say this we can cut this out but someone gave us a tip of like the miami like color theme that you guys had done like tried to do like the vintage miami yeah so kind of like yeah so the different color schemes like the pond garden is like the first garden you walk through is kind of very flowery and like brighter colors and then once you get in kind of the five senses garden it's lots of whites and very like classy and a little more formal and then once you kind of work your way towards the woodland garden that's kind of where like the 80s miami retro and the miami um strand which is like hot pink aqua and lime green that was kind of the inspiration for that whole space so just working on different plays with that color then the arbor is kind of getting into the cooler colors kind of once you go towards the children's garden which is all very blue and cool colors so that makes all the mushrooms and stuff pop and that's kind of like the grand finale in a way but then you get to the troll and that's kind of like the real grand finale for many people so okay. when you're designing it i'm wondering you're not going out there putting the lights on seeing oh this looks good this looks bad you obviously have to look at it beforehand is that something you do on your computer are you like i don't know how do you see everything before you see everything so partly just like years of doing it and just the creative process like i don't know i've always been very creative and artistic and stuff but I do, I bring like every every single color of lights that we have, which is roughly 14 or 15 different colors and go home and sit down and put them all next to each other. Like, okay, these are good combos. These are good combos. These look good together. And just like playing with that and like, okay, this, this area has, is going to be like bright colors. So, okay, these are all the good combinations. And then, okay, these bright colors go, go with the cooler colors. So these are kind of the good transitionary areas and stuff. But then just, it is a little tweaking along as you go, like, on my spreadsheet, these trees are 10 numbers apart, but in real life, they're five feet apart. So, okay, we got to change those because now they're the same color. So it's a little, lots of tweaking along the way. One thing about the theme, which is uh, kind of interesting, even though we have this at the holiday time of year, like it's really all about nature, right? And so it's not necessarily a holiday light show, even though you can't help but kind of get in the festive spirit after you've been there. But I would say if there's any real theme, I mean, some years we have like a really focused theme, but other years it's more like, how can we just make it unique and different and more beautiful? And like Brent said, he's always kind of thinking about it and and uh, evolving it. Um, but but it's the, the theme is really about nature and bringing nature to life and connecting back to our mission. Super interesting. I have a, um, I'm, I'm wondering a stat uh, how many people get engaged at the Coastal Botanical Gardens every year? Um, so I will say the Arbor is the most engaged spot. <laughs> That's what we uh, guessed. Mm -hmm. So far, 
so far this year i've only heard of one but i'm trying to remember back in 2019 i feel like there had to be at least five i thought uh, it was gonna be me it was not me i'm married at the moment i'm well, whatever not at the moment but i'm married now <laughs> but i remember going being like oh this is it i'm getting engaged i was not that would be that's not a stat that we track but maybe we should start tracking that. i really like that great marketing honestly great at the marketing. end of the season exactly. you release the information yeah. the numbers right. are in yeah <laughs> We'll have to add it to our, our post-visit survey. I would love to hear some of the other jobs that people have um, at Botanical Gardens. Well, we've got every department that you would have in a big organization, you know. So we're we're one of the largest kind of nonprofit visitation organizations in, in the state. And so we've got a... You know, we've got a finance team and we've got a marketing team and we've got a philanthropy team and we've got a, the horticulture team is one of our largest teams of, you know, full time year round people. And then we've got seasonal jobs um, for guest experience, all those folks that are in the admissions area that welcome you to the gardens and then. Um, our garden shop, you know, that team really grows when we're open. Same with our culinary team. That team really grows when we're open. Facilities, IT. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, our education team. And one of the teams that I haven't talked about yet, and it's another part of our mission that's actually really cool and is um, growing right now is we've got a plant science and collections department. And so the research part of our mission you know, we're really focused on what are the impacts um, that are happening to plants because of climate change and how can we help either, you know, assist plants in their migration and and develop new plants that are going to thrive in gardens in this area as the climate keeps changing. So we've got a real focus on climate change. And then in our education team, like one of their big foci is that team's broken up into a couple different areas. We've got the youth folks, we've got the adult education folks, and then we have our interpretive people. So those that's all the education that's kind of happening as you're walking around from the signage to the interactions you might have with somebody at like our learning apiary where all the bees are. And they design all of those different educational interactions and their charge is to inspire action on climate change and to help people you know learn through the things that we're focused on which is you know so it's not going to be about like getting energy efficient appliances in your home that's not our thing our thing is going to be about how can you do you know, sustainable gardening in your own backyard, or how can you start composting, or what are the kinds of plants that you can plant in order to support pollinators that are going to help all of us. Uh, so things like that, you know, so that those folks are have some really big and exciting charges, and then they're and they're all working really closely, like our horticulture team and our plant science team and our education team. I bet it's great for like that this is an option in Maine, like a job like this is available in Maine and, and so many different jobs that you guys can offer the community. I feel like it, it's just so awesome to hear. So there is literally a job for everyone. At yeah. Are you guys hiring? <laughs> and uh, you are. Yeah, we are always hiring. Um, you know, some we're, <laughs> it's, uh, but especially in the spring and yeah. summer, you know, we, we hire a lot of, like I said before, our team almost doubles in size from, you know, the winter to the summer. So we do a lot of hiring kind of like starting in February through 
May. And then there's always at least one or two full-time year-round jobs that are open that we're hiring for at any given time, just because of the nature of people, you know, moving and things like that. But, but for any of our listeners, what a great job opportunity. So keep mm-hmm. your eyes out. We can uh, post the link in our show notes mm-hmm. too. Do either of you have a favorite memory at work or a favorite spot that like, say a family member was going to come or a friend you'd have to, you would say like, you have to go to this spot. Like that's mm-hmm. my spot. For, so for Gardens Glow, um, I would say definitely the children's garden is definitely the most magical this year. Just like little winter wonder, or just like little mushroom wonderland, almost like a little Alice in Wonderlandy inspired, mm-hmm. just larger than life, mm-hmm. um, kind of in awe. And honestly, once you get to like the backside of the children's garden, when you look back, I feel like that's probably one of the best views in the gardens. Just you can see all the blue lights over the waters and all the mushrooms and just surrounded by all the trees in the back. It's hard. The to water. Like the can we highlight the water for a minute? Because that you did a great job with the water. Liz and I were so confused. We were like what what is this like the water i don't even i don't remember Liz. do you remember i thought it was upside down yes it was so cool you did a great job with that mm-hmm. thank you yeah that was super fun and then like the woodland garden is also just like amazing just mm-hmm. you know that we have like we rent a couple lifts to get up on the trees so just in awe just 55 feet up with the lights and just Are so many trees <laughs> i have not thankfully thankfully and what about you gretchen Well, I I completely agree with Brent in terms of the magical places for Gardens Aglow. I have this memory. I I just started this job at the beginning of the pandemic in 2020. Um, Prior to that, I had been at L.L. Bean for 10 years running all the outdoor programs there. And uh, a couple months into my tenure, my daughter, who had been at uh, college and then had like the semester off that everybody had off when COVID first started and had been pretty stressed, you know, it was a stressful time uh, for the world really, but she came and visited the gardens with me and my mom and some other family members. And she, my favorite memory was just her response to it because I think it's so powerful to see like these young adult, young, you know, she's she was what, 18 or 19 at the time. And she was just so moved by the whole experience. And she was like, oh, I'm just, I feel so at peace here. She, she said, I need to come here every week and just meditate. And I have this picture of her sitting in the Giles Rhododendron Garden on this little rock that, that juts out over the pond. And it's just such a beautiful spot. And I love that garden. I mean, we have so many beautiful gardens that it's hard to say which one's my favorite, but that's a memory that I have that just it really resonates with me. Isn't it so interesting if you had told, were you working there at the time when she was visiting? I was. Oh. Yeah. Okay, I thought it was it a question. Just I was started, though. That is so funny. It's just mm-hmm. so interesting what you don't realize will be a core memory for you in the mm-hmm. moment as you're living it. Very interesting. Yeah. And there's something so special about working for a place where you get to see everyone have like these very special moments. Like it's hard to be like, that was a stressful day at work when you're leaving, like watching everyone leave, feel like very happy about being there. Like it's just nice to be a part of. Well, that's exactly it, Liz. Like anytime I'm having a bad day, I just go walk around and I listen to the things that people are saying and, or I just sit in like the meditation garden and just breathe and I can't help but feel better. The unfair advantage that you guys have to have (laughs) such a beautiful place to just go and relax. What an office. Yeah. Think about your like lunch break walks Mm -hmm. in. Oh, wow. Very nice. How are ways that people can 
uh, support you guys? And what are you guys really looking for for support, whether it's uh, advertising your jobs or just attending? And mm-hmm. maybe when they attend, they share a post online or um, I'm also thinking about everyone that's listening, going to the botanical gardens, like mm-hmm. let's say during the holidays right now, and they have such an unfair advantage right now to tell everyone like, oh, I know this theme, mm-hmm. this one's more formal. Mm-hmm. And we love that part about the podcast though, is helping people feel connected mm-hmm. to some of these organizations. Like for example, um, we've had Holy Donut, uh, the CEO of Holy Donut on before. And it's just so funny when people tell us they can walk in and tell like their family that they're with oh, I know how this got started. And um, also if they're driving from Portland, the podcast will be a perfect amount of time <laughs> yeah. on their way there. It's like a preview. Really? Yeah. So how can people support you guys? Well, uh, certainly coming and visiting and, you know, buying tickets and uh, every purchase in our garden shop helps support our mission. So that's great. If people like to, you know, give money to support nonprofits, that's super helpful as well. We also have 250 volunteers. So our volunteers are actually a really big part of our operation. We could not do it without them. So, you know, depending on where you're adding your life and whether you have extra time to do that sort of thing. I mean, we welcome volunteers of every age. Uh, It's everything from helping out with lighting to helping out with uh, gardening to driving our shuttles in the summer to being a docent in the gardens and just giving people information about uh, right now it's it's the lights and gardens aglow but in the summer it's the plants that they're seeing and the the background on the gardens Um, we have some folks that specifically help um, with our education programs too so Kind of everything that we do, there's an opportunity to to do some volunteering to help us as well. Lots of tours, like during the summer, we have like highlights tours every day. And then some of the educational tours, like the wetlands and the trolls and things along those lines. Very interesting. What's the, do you guys have a, an age range of volunteers, anyone from retirees to um, maybe young adults? Yes, that's exactly the age range, Ashley. It's, uh, we have We have people that are in middle school and high school that volunteer right up through retirement. So what I'm thinking is this would be a, if you're a young adult listening and maybe you're looking to break into this industry, Mm -hmm. this would look great on your resume Mm -hmm. and a good way to get your foot in the door. Or if you're looking to land one of those cool jobs at uh, Botanical Gardens, what a great way to say like, Hey, I volunteered with you guys for X amount of years. Mm -hmm. Um, and certainly a passion project. Liz and I just started talking about like side projects on mm-hmm. our last episode and uh, how it can be more than the money of mm-hmm. and volunteering is certainly in that category, something that you can meet people um, and do something you're passionate about. So mm-hmm. for anyone listening, that could yeah. be way. And I would say, don't feel like you have to live right here, you know, mm-hmm right close to Booth Bay, like it could be something that you do once a month, you know, so that, and you could come and spend half a day with us so that it's worth your while or just to make it easy. A a lot of our volunteers do live close by, but we do have people that come from over an hour, even an hour and a half away. And Liz and I always talk about how it can be when you're in, especially in the market we're in right now, job wise, Uh, A lot of people can feel paralyzed by opportunity where you don't know what it's not really you land in a job anymore. You have a lot of options, what you want to do. So something like volunteering 
-hmm. is a great way to test out like, Hey, yeah. is this, do I want to work outside all the time? Do I want to work with my hands? And, and a lot of people are, a lot of people are working from home. So to get right. out and like do something fun like this and, and volunteer at the same time, like it goes hand in hand. Yeah. That's right. That's right. The other, I just want to answer a little more of your question yeah. too, Ashley, about other things that people can do that go to some of the things you were suggesting when you asked it. I would love for people in Maine to think of us as their own garden. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like, you really have that sense of pride that we all have in the gardens and to, to tell everyone that comes to visit you, you have to go and see the gardens or make a point of bringing them whatever time of year it is. And just, uh, I love the idea of all Mainers really feeling a sense of pride and ownership for this place. Um, because we do, and it's interesting, it's called the People's Garden because it, our creation story is actually really interesting. I won't go into it unless you want to hear it, but, but it, it, it jibes with this idea of Mainers really owning this experience. I mean, I'm all ears if you want to, if you want to yeah, share. I am kind of interested. <laughs> so it's really amazing because most botanical gardens um, came about either because they were once upon a time um, somebody's estate who had lots and lots of money and they had amazing gardens and then they make it a public garden or they're connected to a university or a college. And so, you know, the, the university has a lot, a lot of money and can create this really beautiful space. And in the 1990s, a number of people who lived on this peninsula thought, hey, the Midcoast area needs a botanical garden, like Maine needs a beautiful garden. And so they started talking to garden clubs all over the, all over the state and, just kind of building momentum for this idea. And then they started looking for land once they had kind of gotten enough people who were interested in the idea and said, yeah, we think we can make this work. And they um, worked with a bunch of students at Harvard University in the Graduate School of um, Landscape Design to find and vet the various locations they were looking at. And this, the founders of the gardens actually put up their own homes as collateral to buy the initial plot of land that became the first part of coastal Maine botanical gardens wow. so like we don't have any of that provenance of like you know immense wealth or the you know big indus the big university um and it just i love it i think it's really unique and different and then the fact that we are the only garden that I know of that's right on the coast. And when you look at our, when you go and visit our gardens, like they really say Maine to you. They're beautiful, but they definitely have this, evoke this sense of place that's uh, just, I think, really special and unique. I can't believe there was a chance we almost didn't hear that story because that is the coolest <laughs> story ever. I have to say, I love the Midcoast area, love the people. Uh, I, I feel like there's a lot of pride in that town. I mean, that area of the state and mm -hmm. um, in Maine in general. And when you were saying that like, you want people to think of it as Maine's garden and I do, well, can I ask you, when did this, what year was that? Well, so it, I think they incorporated in 1997, I want to say, but we did not open to the public until 2007. So, so. Uh, yeah, I do think like, it is, I feel, I feel it on the cusp of it becoming one of those things you take everyone to mm -hmm. my, um, I have family that she's from Maine originally, but comes and stays, you know, during the holidays. And, uh, I did make the recommendation so I can feel it. It is on the cusp of, you have to do this mm -hmm. when you're home. 
Um, I feel and- like everyone I know always, it's like a tradition to go um, yeah. for like during the holidays. So I'm going to make it a tradition to go during the summer now because you guys got me so excited about it. But I'm going to have to continue going every month because I, I need to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. That's great. Well, if you do that, then you should definitely become a member because after just a couple visits, it pays for itself. So if you're going to come more than once in the year, you should really look into membership because it both it's another way to support us. And then your visits are free. And for Gardens Aglow, your um, ticket is discounted as a member. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, honestly, guys, this was so interesting. But is there anything else that you guys were you want our listeners to hear you want it to be out there? Well, I would just say that. um buy advanced tickets. You need to buy advanced tickets for Gardens Aglow in particular. And so for the next couple of weeks, it's Thursday night through Sunday night. And then um, it changes a little bit right around uh, the Christmas holidays. So we're open Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, the 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. And then we're closed for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And then we're open the whole week, um, the 26th through the 31st. It might be good for people to know too, like Thursdays uh, tend to be a little bit slower. So if you don't want to come on the crazy busy weekend nights, then even that final week, some of the um, kind of oddball, like Monday, Tuesday and the Wednesdays also tend to be a little bit slower for people or just slower tickets in general. The inside scoop, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to say it was really nice going on the preview night and we were like, we had our own space and we could take our time and I and like really appreciate it. Well, thank you guys so much. Uh, I will make sure to list everything in the show notes, guys. Um, and hey, Liz, that was a good one. Let's go to the Coastal Maine Botanical Gardens. 